what's up what's up what's up what's up everybody 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 you are listening to the bounce as always folks this is episode 63 my name is jabari anderson with my co-host l'oreal how you doing l'oreal i'm doing good jabari and i don't know about you but last weekend we had a lot of highlights of yeah, we, yeah it was a lot hoops uh the gray iron the diamond i mean where, where do you want to begin <laughs> i mean it's been a lot so far but Let's get the show on the road because there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of sports news and let's just do what we got to do. So the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks has agreed to make a trade. And here's the trade right here. The Broncos have traded Drew Locke, Noah Faint, Shelby Harris, two first round draft picks, two second round draft picks, and a fifth round draft pick for Russell Wilson and a fourth round draft pick. So with that being said, the Broncos, now they have an elite quarterback and Russell Wilson, who joins the Broncos, will be playing alongside, well, not only alongside, but he would be playing against the Chiefs who have that man, Patrick Mahomes, the Las Vegas, I was about to say the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders with Derek Carr and the LA Chargers, Justin Herbert. Now, we can look at his offensive weapons right now. Russell Wilson is going to be playing with Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick. That's his weapons right there. And Lord have mercy. If you thought that the Broncos could could be something when they have an elite quarterback, well, there they have it. And the the AFC West is going to get tougher, tougher. L'Oreal... I mean, there's so much that we could talk about this, but we're going to talk about for Russell Wilson and the Broncos side. What are your thoughts? Because it's not official yet. It's not official until March 16th. It's not official, but what are your thoughts? What a bold move by the Broncos. This is a really bold move. I think that getting Russell Wilson for them, this has definitely been a plan in motion, and we are hearing it. We're hearing that actually Russell Wilson and the Broncos, they agreed to this about a couple weeks prior. So this has been a motion and process. And I think for the Broncos, knowing the team that they've been for the past couple years and now, and knowing the team that they want to be, it's no surprise that they want to cash in on a Russell Wilson because you have a Russell Wilson who is still relatively young, you know, not too old, still has a lot in him. He is a Super Bowl champion. He has broken numerous records when you think of what he does as a quarterback. So to bring him into Denver and you bring him alongside all these weapons and not only the offensive weapons, let's talk about the defense. There's still a defense in Denver and you don't know it's not the Legion of Boom, but it's still a good defense that Russell Wilson needs because we know that Russell Wilson, he is one of many quarterbacks who gets sacked a lot into his career. So when you think about Russell Wilson in a Denver Broncos jersey, playing a part for this Denver Broncos team and you have that defense and you have these weapons, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I hope that Russell Wilson is excited, but I hope that Russell Wilson, I hope that he's looking out for these other teams because literally this is going to be like him playing in the NFC West. This time, this is the AFC. And you're dealing with much bigger fish to fry, much bigger guys you have to go against. I mean, I think the biggest conversation going forward especially if if this trade does go through for the Broncos and Russell Wilson is how is Russell Wilson going to do? Because for Russell Wilson, 
He has to be Patrick Mahomes. He has to be Derek Carr. He has to be Justin Herbert. You have to beat these teams and these players more than once. And most likely, you might have to face them in the playoffs. That is going to be a task for Russell Wilson. But I think for the Broncos to get him, they have a lot, a lot of trust in him. They have a lot of trust that no matter what he has or who, who his head coach is or what can be in this way, the Broncos clearly have trust that Russell Wilson can be that guy for them to help them bring a championship. And I think for you to make a move like that, why wouldn't you be Super Bowl or bust? I think for the Broncos, they have to think about that because you're not just bringing any guy into Denver. You're bringing Russell Wilson, a guy a who has won a championship, who has proved it all. I believe he's still a great quarterback. I don't care what anybody else is saying, but Russell Wilson, he still got it. So for Denver, this is going to be really interesting, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I think Russell, he's going to take the reins. He's going to do just well. I think it's not going to be really easy because, again, I have to see what he has to do against these other quarterbacks because these other quarterbacks who are younger and who are really coming into this league, they're going to have a lot to prove, especially against Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson has a lot to prove against these other guys as well. But AFC, they need to watch out, especially AFC West. It's going to be a tough division this season. Yeah. Oh, man. With the AFC, the the – if it wasn't tough then, it's it's tough now, let alone. I'll say that right now. <laughs> Look, since 2016, the Broncos have had 11 starting quarterbacks. 11 new starting quarterbacks. 11. They're not the only one who was in that situation. The Washington Commanders had, had 11 new quarterbacks right there. And then you had the Jets who had 10, then the Bears who had nine, and then the Cleveland Browns who also had nine as well. So just look at that picture right there. But with this trade right here, like I say, if this is official by Wednesday, March 16th, it's going to be scary hours in Denver. I swear. I mean, Lord have mercy. They're right now with the weapons that he has with that defense and assuming that Von Miller, now this room is that Von Miller could re return to Denver. If that's the case, I'm going to mention a, I'm going to come with a bold prediction. The Denver Broncos are going to go to the AFC championship game. I'm calling it right now. I'm calling Listen, I understand that. Russian Pat. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> you got to understand. You gotta well, one understand. of them has to win. So right, one yeah. Both team, right. teams can't I, be. I, I said I they, they go into the AFC Championship. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you bring an elite quarterback who who has won playoff games, who and not only that, has won a, a Super Bowl championship, you got to understand, you put him in a new situation, a new team, a new city, Everything could definitely change. Everything could definitely change. And we saw when Peyton Manning went to Denver, uh, you know, I want to say, what was the last thing? Like in 2012, 2013? Yeah, that's when he went to Denver. You saw everything change. And you see the pieces that were surrounded by him where they went to the Super Bowl twice and won one. So I can see the same thing with, with Russell Wilson. And look, we saw what happened with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers when they, when, when they first came together. We saw the same thing with Matthew Stafford and the Rams when they first came together. We can see that same situation with Russell Wilson and, and the Denver Broncos. Like, like I said, don't, don't sleep on them. Like I said, I understand the AFC West is tough, but I bet somebody's going to look at this and say, Raiders, Chargers, they're like, well, who, who going to miss the playoffs? Because, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can't miss the playoffs. Because you know? Chiefs looking like, who, who going to sickest? Because you know we getting first in our division. So people got to understand how great of a player 
Russell Wilson is. I understand that the last time, it's been, what, five years since he won a playoff game. But with these weapons that he has on the offensive end and the defensive end, they're going to be just fine. They're going to be just fine at the end of the day. And at the, at, I'm just going to be real. At the end of the day, I think the reason why this trade happened was because of this. Russell Wilson had a player option. He had the option to opt out. And look, we brought this up beforehand. Last season, we said either the Seahawks were either going to let either the Seahawks were going to let Russell Wilson go or Pete Carroll go. And they decided to let Wilson go. And it made sense because obviously Russell Wilson, look, he's, he's, he's like 33 years old. And it's not like he's 23. So it's not like you're going you're gonna to have him for 15 more years. No, it happens. And the Seahawks wasn't getting any better. Now, with the Seahawks, you look at them, obviously, like I said, you have a young quarterback in Drew Locke. Um, let's be real. Drew Locke, I mean, I'm not really expecting a lot from him. I mean, he 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 might be there for one year for all that matter. But but Noah, Shelby Harris, and who who else? You still got Tyler Lockie, you still got Chris Carson. So the Seahawks should be fine. Offensively, they should be fine. And defensively, I mean, they, you know, you know, they, they can improve. It's not gonna be like the Legion Boom, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. But this is Pete Carroll's time to show up. You know, so you got all those draft picks. So now it's your turn to to really rebuild this team. But back to the Broncos. I said, and many people probably said this, that the reason why Russell Wilson is where he at right now is because of Marshawn Lynch and the Legion of Boom. This is his shot. This is his time to showcase that I am who I am. I'm elite. I can lead a team to the Super Bowl, to a Super Bowl championship without beast mode and the legion of boom if he can do that we're gonna then, then we're gonna give him his damn respect because russell wilson listen hey, look it's time for him to showcase that he could still be he could still be an elite quarterback and lead a team to a championship for sure so we're gonna definitely see what happens he gotta pass his physical and he gotta you know he gotta wave that no trade clause to get to denver but uh it's going to be scary hours, man, if this if this comes, man. Like I said, it's going to be them scary hours. Like I said, man, shoot, when that trade's official, whoo, man, <laughs> I, might, I might have to go to Denver real quick to see how it's looking around there. You know what I'm saying? You oh, know. yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, hey, hey, you Stop know. Stop going by to the mile high. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, to the mile high. Shoot, you know, because Sierra, you know, because here's the thing. Sierra, she saw the future. And she said, love it up, love it up, yes. love it up, love it yes. up, love it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they show us that love it up And you right know what's there. funny? The Denver Nuggets tweeted, they say, we get to be neighbors with Sierra. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, we're going to see Sierra on the mile high a little bit more, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You know, what? I mean, we don't we don't know if the kids going to come to Denver, but we do know that Sierra will be in Denver. We know that for so. <laughs> No so we'll see, see I'm going to be there. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Shout out to the Denver Broncos. We're going to see what happens. You know, and shout out to Denver, Denver Nuggets, too. But, you know, they, you know, they, they, they playing good ball, too. You know what I'm saying? You know, Nikola Jokic. But, you know, but anyway, let's go ahead and move on. Other breaking news that did happen, because we got to stick to football real quick. Aaron Rodgers has agreed to a four-year, $200 million contract. That means that he will have 153 million dollars guaranteed let me repeat that again 153 million dollars guaranteed he will be making 
$50 million per year. Let's let's quickly talk about this. And also the Green Bay Packers, because that's who, you know, Aaron Rodgers signed with. Yeah, you know, he signed that deal with the Green Bay Packers. He will be back. And Devontae Adams will be franchise tagged by the Packers as well. We all knew that Adams was not going anywhere. Let's just be real. But anyway, let's let's quickly talk about this. Do you believe that the Packers made the right move? No, and the reason why I don't think they made the right move is that I don't think that Aaron Rodgers, basically giving Aaron Rodgers this contract, hopefully the Green Bay Packers understand this, it's a time frame. Like Aaron Rodgers, he ain't like 25 or he's just turning 30. He is deep into his 30s. So if you're willing to give him this much money for four years, something got to happen. Something's got to happen. If nothing happens, and what I mean by nothing is a championship, then this will be a complete, utter, total waste. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I get Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. I get the Aaron Rodgers. He is somebody who is a reasonable candidate to get this money, but I'm going to still stand by my pick. I don't think he deserved this money. I don't think he's proven anything to me or to anybody that he is willing to be able to be paid this money. And, I mean, he got the money now, which we know that Green Bay, Green Bay was going to pay him. They wasn't going to let him leave. What are you going to do now after the fact? Because if you can't win a championship, I, I'm sorry. I don't know, like, what this does for the Packers as far as helping them out in their case. Because, really, you know, maybe, maybe you should really give Jordan Love a shot. But we'll see. We'll see. Because, like I said, we'll see what happens come this upcoming season. But if they do not – if Aaron Rodgers do not win a championship in Green Bay after this contract, I'll be very disappointed in him. Not only that, Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old. On December 2nd, he will be 39 years old. So that means that I want to say, what, when he's 42, 43, that's when he will be on his fourth year? <laughs> like, seriously, that's when he'll be on his fourth year there, perhaps? I mean, I'm just, I was just thinking about that. I was like, huh? Let, let me just say this. When I found out that Aaron Rodgers was returning to the Green Bay Packers, I was like, okay, all right. I mean, well, I mean, did I miss something here? Like, I, I was not shocked because all this talk about I'm mad that Jordan Love is with the Packers. I'm mad that the Packers drafted Jordan Love. I'm like, okay, you won an MVP. So what? I'm mad because, oh my gosh, I don't like how the front office has been. Okay, you still balling. So what? I might retire. I might go somewhere else. And then you come back here and then you say, I want $50 million per year. I mean, what, 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 what? I mean, seriously, anybody who is surprised that he is back with the Packers, I don't know if you've been li living under a rock. I just don't know. I just want to be very clear about this. Aaron Rodgers making this money, signing this deal to make sure that, that he's making at least $153 million guaranteed. I don't care. Because you know why? Because this man won him back-to-back -back MVPs and still gonna still cannot get this team to the Super Bowl. I don't care. I don't care about that. He made his money. First of all, he shouldn't... Listen, I didn't have a problem with him being the highest-paid player. I had a problem with him making 50... 50 what, I can't even say it right. $50 million per year. I'm like, what? 50? A 38-year-old man making $50 million per year? Come on. Like I said beforehand, I don't care how much money he makes. Can you can you make sure that this team gets the Super Bowl?
Because right now, since Russell Wilson is perhaps if the trade is, is official, if Russell Wilson goes to Denver, what team you got to worry about in the NFC besides the 49ers and the Rams? And even, and even though with the Rams, we don't know if Jimmy G is going to stay with the San Francisco 49ers or not. So we don't know about that. But in that outside the 49ers and the Rams, who do the Packers have to worry about in, in, in the Nobody. NFC? Nobody. Nobody. The NFC outside those two is wide open as ever. They're going yep. to crush. The, listen, they will crush the NFC North. They got no problems. <clears throat> they got none. None. What do the Packers have to worry about? So Aaron Rodgers has no excuse. He has to make sure that they get to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford, as I said before, went to, you know, went to their new teams and got to the Super Bowl. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, Sue, hasn't been to the Super Bowl since 2011. Since 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. It's been 11 years. So, hello, we got problems here. Aaron Rodgers, you got your money that you were complaining all along. Get this team to the Super Bowl and win the championship. It's time. Do what you got to do. And that is to win another championship. So the Golden State Warriors have lost nine out of the last 11 games. And Draymond Green has been back since January. Without Draymond Green, they are 15 and 16 this season. And it's just looking bad so far. It's looking bad. Now, even though their defense hasn't been the same as of late, they're, they are still first in the defensive efficiency. That's crazy right there. But for offensive efficiency, they're 11th. They are 11th in offensive efficiency. And as of late, listen, we could talk about Curry. We could talk about Clay a little bit later. But the last win that they took was against the Portland Trailblazers. And they're currently on a five-game losing streak. And they are third in the West. L'Oreal, how concerned should the Warriors be? I think the Warriors should be very concerned because at the end of the day, you need Draymond Green in order to be the Golden State Warriors. You need a Draymond Green to be this team that can compete out of the West and to compete for a championship. I just don't believe that there's no shape or no form of this Golden State Warriors team just doing it with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole and other guys as well. We don't even know if James Wiseman is even going to come back too. Let's think about that. This because I think if James Wiseman came back, I think that they, they, they would definitely like that as well. But you cannot be a Golden State Warriors team without Draymond Green. It's plain and simple. Draymond Green is not the most glorious player. He's not going to give you 30. He's not going to give you 30 and 20. But what Draymond Green does with his skills and his age is that he is a catalyst for Golden State. And by being the catalyst, he helps facilitate the offense. He helps spread out the floor. He helps with tremendously when it comes to defense, whether it be defense against other players, rim protecting, rebounding. Draymond Green helps a lot for this team when it comes to both offensively and defensively. So when you see Golden State like this, you know, you can't really be surprised because Steph Curry, we need to talk about this with Steph Curry too. Steph Curry... Steph Curry is doing what we know Steph can do, but Steph Curry is still struggling with shooting. He's still struggling with shooting. And we can get that, you know, of course he had to break that record and he's probably still tired and all that, but Steph Curry is still not shooting effectively. So that's going to affect the Warriors even more because that's your offense right there. We can't really, we can't really rely on Klay Thompson because he's still recovering from injury. 
We can't really rely on Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole because they're still young and they're still trying to get into their role. So not having a Draymond Green all together really is the reason why the Warriors are struggling because there's just no balance. And speaking of those new young guys, you have to worry about Wiggins and Poole because you have to worry about how they're going to do in these stretches in between the lineups, you know, when Clay was out and now Clay's back, and then with Draymond Green being out for a certain period of time. And actually, let's look at how those two guys have done since post-All-Star break. Andrew Wiggins, unfortunately, he hasn't done too well. His numbers have dropped. He used to average 17. Now he's averaging 14 points per game. He's shooting from 48% to 39%. And from three-point range, he's shooting from 41% at one point he did better than Curry, and now he's doing 33%. That is going to have an impact because when Andrew Wiggins did well, even when Klay Thompson was out, you see more of a flow to the offense, and you start seeing Golden State actually winning more games because you have other guys like Andrew Wiggins who can um, produce. And then with Jordan Poole, on the other hand, his numbers are increasing. He's going from 16.4 to 18.2 points. He's going from 33% to 42% now from three and from 43% from the field to now 50% from the field. That's good because we have seen in previous seasons when Jordan Poole has the opportunity to score and perform, he can do that. But if you have Wiggins, you know, slumping down with his numbers, that's not good as well. So the biggest thing with Golden State is that they have to find a balance because at the end of the day, you're in third place right now. You know, you don't have to be the first seed to make it, you know, far in the playoffs because wherever they go, whoever they go against the first round will be a team that probably won't be as strong as them. They can get past that. But then what happens in that second round to conference finals round? That's going to be the ultimate test for the Warriors because you're going to go up against Memphis, who's second right now. You're going to go up against Phoenix. I mean, we can still count out Denver because Jokic is going crazy. Um, you have, you know, we can't even count out even the teams in the play-in, like Minnesota or the Clippers, who are still winning games. For Golden State, if you don't have your catalyst on your team for any much longer, I'm sorry, I don't really see the Warriors being the team to come out of the West. Because if you don't have that person that can initiate the pick and rolls, initiate the offense, do the defense, and also have other players besides Steph Curry just show up, I can't see the Warriors being that team that could win the West. Not this season, especially against these other teams. And speaking of winning the West, let me just say this right now. You know, remember last year we were talking about the Warriors record with and without Steph Curry? Well, let's go with this season. When Draymond Green doesn't play, they are 15 and 16. When he does play, the Warriors are 28 and 6. Wow. Six. They're not, they're not even in the double digits yet. Okay. Not even in the double digits in losses. That just shows you how valuable Draymond Green means to this team. Now, like I said, listen, Steph Curry is the best player on this team. He is the MVP, but when it comes to valuable, as far as defensively and leadership, that is Draymond Green. Look, I, I and I, and I've said this before about Draymond Green about Oh, this guy is a system player. He, he's this, he's that. He don't really mean that much. Well, I guess he means a lot for this go to say Warriors team because look, look where they're at right now. And there was a report come out of Draymond Green's mouth that he will return. His target date will be on Monday, 
March 14th. So he will come back to return. I think it is against the Washington, Washington Wizards, I believe. I think it's the Wizards. They need Draymond Green back. They desperately do need him. And speaking of Draymond Green, they need James Wiseman because God knows, I don't know what type of injury that man has, but that man hasn't played since last year. Lord have mercy. It's been about a year and a half. When When is that man going to play again? Anyway, Draymond Green means so much to them defensively. Just him just talking on the floor. There's so many things that he means to them. It's not about the, listen, get the scoring out the situation. Facilitating, this man getting people in the right position, Curry, Clay, Wiggins, getting them in the right position to score the basketball is Draymond Green's job. Defensively, this man, he may be six foot six, six foot seven, but that man knows how to play defense. He knows yeah, how man. to guard the bigs. You might look at him and say, like, dang, how is he able to guard a Jokic or Embiid or even or even AD? Bro, that man, there's some, there must be something going on with his lower body or that strength where he just got he just got that go-to muscle size. Like, but but anyway, <laughs> Draymond Green, like I said, they they they, they for just, just to have a chance to come out the West, they need him there. And I understand that people are looking at the situation and say, well, they're only third in the West. I'm sorry. If you're the Warriors, you don't want to put yourself in a situation to play two playoff series where you don't have home court advantage. It's one thing to have one series where you don't have home court advantage to get to the NBA Finals, but two, no, that's a problem. And another thing, Curry has been struggling. Beginning of the season, we were talking about Curry being in the conversation for MVP. Uh, he ain't anymore. That, that, that's long, long gone. gone. It's over. Gone. <laughs> and, and although Andrew Wiggins, since All-Star break, has not been the same. He has not been the same. I don't know why. He's playing trash right now. Well, he's has well, he's been performing badly because he's really messing up my fantasy points. But that's that's something personal right there. And Clay Thompson, look, I knew this all along. Clay Thompson averaging 16 points, shooting 41% from the field and 37%, 37% from the three-point line. If I'm the Warriors, I, I will have Clay Thompson come off the bench. When I said that Clay Thompson should come off the bench, a lot of people were saying. Oh, Clay Thompson? What? Are you crazy? Bro, Clay Thompson hasn't played, what, two and a half years? Before this season, the last time this man played was when there was a, a pandemic. Yeah. That's how long it's been. And now Clay Thompson, who, who suffered two horrific injuries, the torn ACL and the torn Achilles. Both are different, one on the left and then one on the right. But people don't understand when you are coming back to play basketball and try to be back in shape, it's going to take time. It really takes you two years to finally heal from both from a injury, let alone both injuries, really. And I just thought that him coming off the bench would have been great because it could at least get him to start up later on while, okay, if he does start come playoff time, then he'll be ready. But at least for the, this season, he should come off the bench. I thought that. Jordan Love, not Jordan, not Jordan Love. I'm big about football right now. Jordan Poole, the fact that he's come off the bench, like he's doing his thing, but I don't like that. I don't, I think that's really messed up his flow. He needs to be a starting shooting guard. He needs to be starting, honestly. He's gonna get paid, by the way. You know that man gonna get paid. But still, he should be starting. And so when you have Curry struggling, and, and let alone Clay Thompson struggling, Andrew Wiggins is struggling, let alone you don't have James Wiseman and you don't have Draymond Green. Yeah, you got to be concerned because a green, if Draymond Green is not there, yes, 
that green from Saginaw, Michigan, if he's not there, it's a wrap. It's a wrap for the Warriors. And, and I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to go with a hot take right here. If the Golden State Warriors are a third seed, they will be bounced out in the second round. I'm calling right now. Listen, listen, last year we were talking, there were people who were saying that John Morant has Steph Curry's number. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, look. Well, look, Memphis it, is doing good. They still doing good. They still doing good. Yeah. But, but if Memphis has home court advantage against the Warriors. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. It's, Listen, it's going to be some problems for the Warriors if they got to face against the Grizzlies because they give them problems. Problems. For real. So, go to state, got to get their act together. Or they're going to go home real quick. They might not go to the conference finals. So, hurry up, Warriors. Come on. Better get better get Draymond Green real quick because that back, that back must be a real problem because, look, people don't want to talk about it, but it's hard to, to play very well when you got back problems. Someone who got a dub on Saturday night against the Warriors was LeBron James and the LA Lakers. Yeah, they were, yeah, I'm sure LeBron James was feeling so good that he had to take a take a break on Monday night against the Spurs. Because uh, why did he have to take a break? I don't know why. But anyway, let's just let's just go ahead and start by this. On a recent episode of HBO's The Shop, LeBron James expressed his frustrations with not being regarded as one of the best scorers of all time. LeBron James is currently averaging 29 points per game. That's the most that he has scored since the 2009-2010 NBA season. And knowing that on Saturday night, this man scored 56 points. 56 points. That was a season high for LeBron James. And we all know his career high is, I want to say, was it 61-62? That's, that's his career high. But him, for him to get 56 on in Year 19 is, is definitely something. LeBron James is not the only person to be 35 and older to get 50-plus points because Jamal Crawford was 39 years old, and he put up 51 points. Michael Jordan, 38 years old, and he put up 51 points. Kobe Bean Bryant was 37 years old, and he put up 60. We remember that fair walk, that last game. That Listen, Kobe Bryant was jacking up shots just to get 60. That, that was typical <laughs> Kobe right there. And, now, and last but not least, Alice English was 35 years old, and he had 51 points. That's amazing right there. For, so for, Le, for LeBron James to be 37 years old and to reach 56 is, is definitely amazing. Is LeBron James underappreciated as a scorer? I think LeBron James is underappreciated as a scorer. And the main reason why is that I don't think people really have talked about more in depth of how much LeBron James does, you know, beyond the year 19, being his age and all that. And what's crazy is that when you look at his whole entire career, especially his numbers, they have gone extremely consistent. Since 2004, 2005, LeBron James has averaged 25 points per game every single season after that. And you know who's the only player right now that's an active player that has done that? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, since he has started in the league, ever since, ever since that year, he's averaged 25 plus points per game. He has averaged that every single year. LeBron James has done that every single year. And when you think of LeBron James averages in the teams that he had been on, 
Cleveland the first time, Miami, Cleveland the second time, and now with the Lakers. It's interesting to see how he's able to do what he does and how he's able to be effective on the floor. Because for LeBron, it's one thing to have, you know, your PER ready, or it's one thing to be very usable in one season because maybe you had a really good season or that. It's another thing to be the most reliable player on the floor for over a decade and then some. That's how much LeBron James has done. And when we look at LeBron James, especially in that game against the Warriors, LeBron James, he can show us he knows how to score. LeBron James is not only is he one of the best players ever in the world, he's one of the best playmakers in the world. And when you think about playmaking and scoring, you have to add that together when you think of LeBron James because LeBron James, he can score on you any, however he wants to. You know, he can pull up. He know how to shoot threes now because his three-point percentage has improved over the years. So now he can hit threes like it's nothing. We know LeBron, he loves that baseline when he just drives through like a locomotive coming in and you don't know what to do. So when you think of LeBron James as a scorer, I think he is underappreciated because the fact that this man has averaged that much for over a decade, the fact that when you think of the evolution of, of LeBron scoring over the years, it has changed. Before LeBron, he would just be a person who, where he can knock it down the lane, make a layup, make a jumper, all of that. But throughout the years, we have seen him do more. We've seen him shoot threes. We have seen him make maybe the toughest shots that probably LeBron could ever make in his entire career. And he has done that. And one thing I do want to mention in Carmelo, he actually brought this up, and I think this is a good point. When we when we say score, we don't mean score a lot of times to somebody who can put up points. We think of score as somebody who can score. Carmelo Anthony, he's a scorer. The way that he scores, nobody can do it like him. Kevin Durant is a scorer. Nobody can score the way that he can. We could talk about lots of other people. We could talk like Stephen Curry. Steph Curry has a scorer. Nobody can score like he can. So when we think of LeBron, the reason why people don't probably mention LeBron as a scorer is that they don't look at him like a Kevin Durant or a Steph Curry. We look at LeBron James as like a Magic Johnson or a Michael Jordan, a guy who can score and do everything all at once. And the fact that LeBron can do everything all at once so magnificently well, that's what we think about. We don't think about just the one aspect of scoring. But I would say that after that Warriors game, I think people have started to realize that LeBron, we can call him a scorer. Just to put up 56 points, period, regardless of age or position or size, that's crazy. And to think of LeBron James doing that, that's even crazier because his 56 points and what he does on the floor day in and day out for the past 20-plus years, it is something that nobody else can ever do because that's just how great LeBron James is. Well, the fact that you brought that up, I mean, look, look, <laughs> the fact that we had to talk about the Lakers and the fact that LeBron James was performing very well on ABC, on national television, let me just say that right now. He probably thought some, he probably thought like, look, I play so well, I got to take some time off, even though they're fighting for a playoff spot, I believe. I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Look, I don't, I don't know. Look, it is what it is. We understand this guy is trying to, you know, look, he's trying to chase Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record. So we, we, we get that. Anyway, here's what I was saying. LeBron James, 
honestly, when I hear this term about being underappreciated as a scorer, I don't know where this is coming from, honestly. I think a lot of people keep us saying he's pass first, but I'm like, how are you a pass first guy if you're averaging if you're averaging 27 points per game? How are, how are you underappreciated as a scorer if you're averaging 27 points per game? I, I just, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just being real. Think about this. In high school, this man from freshman year to senior year, this guy averaged 18 points, 25 points, 28 points, and then 30 points. What is his idea that he was never a scorer? And then when he went to the NBA, in his rookie year, he averaged 20 points. After his rookie year, which he didn't have to worry about averaging 20 points ever again, he went from either averaging 25 to 26, 27, 28, or 31 points per game. What is his idea about he's not a scorer? I'm just being honest. I understand they see his all-around play. He can pass. He can rebound. He, he at times, well, not right now, he can defend. What is, what is this idea that he's not a scorer? My, the issue that I see is that they look him as the same way as Carmelo. Does anybody look at Carmelo as one of the greatest scorers ever? No, no. Carmelo is second in all time scoring. Second all time in scoring. Nobody looks at him and say, oh yeah, that man's one of the greatest scorers of all time. Because just like LeBron James, yeah, they can, they, they can at times, well, Carmelo is a better jump shooter than, than LeBron James. But think about what they mostly do. They run in transition. They attack the basket. That's their go-to move. LeBron James' go-to move is to attack the basket. What is Kobe's go-to move? Jump shot, mid-range shot. Michael Jordan's go-to shot, mid-range. Steph Curry's the three-point shot. Kevin Durant, uh, mid-range. What's Kareem's go-to shot? Give me wherever I'm at, it don't matter. Give me that sky hook. Yeah. What 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 Chamberlain? Think about this. A lot of people don't realize this, but if you look at Wilt Chamberlain's clips, Wilt Chamberlain had game. Wilt Chamberlain, it wasn't just he could dunk. First of all, forget about the dunking. That man could lay it up. That man can post up, do the drip, the post up, bank shot, hit the fadeaway shot. I'm like, Wilt Chamberlain had game. Like people don't understand. Will Chamberlain had game like like we and we understand Shaq Shaq was was dominant as far as dunking the ball, but when you're talking about skill set, oh yeah, Wilt had game for sure. And so when we look at LeBron James, yes, he's shooting more threes. Obviously, he's trying to he, listen. He wants to chase that Kareem scoring record, so of course he's gonna shoot more threes. But not only that, at times yes, he shoot mid range shots, but that's not really his game. He posts up and he attacks the basket. But LeBron James, look at this right now. If you look at how LeBron James scores the ball, he's instantly thinking, I'm going to go to the basket. That's his mindset. His mindset now is, create, uh, oh, I'm going to the mid-range, create separation, and then mid-range shot. Look at Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, he can go to the basket, but you know for a fact that he can stop, pop, and then hit that mid-range shot at any time. He can do a turnaround, fit away shot at any time. It's not a diss to LeBron James. He can score. He's a scorer. But when we think about when we think about the Mount Rushmore of scores, if we had a Mount Rushmore of the greatest scores ever in NBA history, LeBron James would not be there. He just wouldn't. He wouldn't be there. Karl Malone wouldn't be there. Like, would you put Kareem there? Yes. Jordan? Yes. Kobe? Yes. There, you, you might put even you you could make case for Wilt or Kevin Durant, but not putting LeBron James there. That's no knock on LeBron James. 
He can score, but you ain't a three-level scorer. That's the problem. He's not a three-level scorer. LeBron James great, but he's not a three-level scorer. He can score points, but you got to understand how, how, he, how he's also getting his points. Yeah, the guy is able to draw fouls a lot, which gives him more opportunities more opportunities to get points. And, and, and the crazy thing about it is that LeBron James, <laughs> yeah, LeBron James has, has shot more free, free throws than Kobe Bryant, yet Kobe Bryant has more free throws made than LeBron James. So that just tells you that just tells you everything you need to know. Like I said, this is no knock on LeBron James. He's a great scorer, but I'm just saying the whole thing about being underappreciated. I don't think anyone has ever ever denied that he was a scorer, but it's just the notion that when you think about the greatest scorers ever, like the top five. Sorry, we don't put LeBron James there. James Harden is tied, and he's eventually going to surpass Reggie Miller, third in most three pointers ever. Is anybody going to say that James Harden is a better three-point shooter than Reggie Miller? No. <laughs> no. We, but think about it. Mott Rushmore of the greatest three-point shooters ever. James Harden's not on that list. Steph, Ray, Reggie. The fourth, you, you might go and say, what, Damian Lillard or Kyle Korver? Maybe. But no one's going to say that James Harden is one of the four greatest shooters of all time. No. He just jacks up a lot of threes. This is, so like I said, this is no knock on LeBron James. And eventually, he's going to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar next season. And when that happens, he will get his credit. And we're going to applaud to him. Clap. Put our swords down. Let it be known. Yeah, you accomplished something. You definitely accomplished something. But let it be known, this won't make him the greatest scorer ever. Because I know what people are trying to do. No way, no how. Stop right there. He got his 56 points. Props to him. But, uh. The Lakers need more than him scoring 56 points. They need all those points, but uh, they need some more does because the way the Lakers are going, oh, boy, you know what I'm saying? Shoot. Shoot. And besides, that that win on Saturday Saturday night, that was the first win in what? <laughs> like two or three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see what happens, though. But shout out to LeBron, though. He did his thing. So last Sunday, the Boston Celtics beat the Brooklyn Nets 126 to 120. Jason Tatum outplayed Kevin Durant, who Kevin Durant had 37 points, by the way. But Jason Tatum, that man had 54 points, 16 out of 30 shooting. I mean, my goodness, 16 out of 30 from the field, 8 for 15 from the three-point line, 14 out of 17 from the free throw line. And the Celtics are rolling. They, man, they have been on a tear as of late. They are one of the best teams in the NBA as of right now since January 1st. Is Jason Tatum, because he's been balling, 26 points per game. Is he a superstar? Jason Tatum is a superstar in this league. I think that Jason Tatum, as much as we talk about the John Morant of the world, the Giannis, Luka, Trey Young, we can go on and on. I think Jason Tatum deserves to be in that conversation. This kid... Since, since that moment when he started in 2017-18 season and Boston all of a sudden went to the conference finals, we have not left it out of our minds that this kid is still 19. <laughs> and what we mean by that is that this man is still performing like he did when he was 19. And he just gets even better and better and better and better. And I think the Boston, they're doing good because of Jason Tatum. Like, 
actually in this last 10 games, these last 10 games, Jason Tatum has averaged 31.6 points, 7.4 rebounds, and 4.76. That is superstar numbers to me. That is numbers that I expect from a guy who can face up to a Kevin Durant, who has faced up to LeBron James, who can face up to a Steph or all these other guys because he has that mentality. And what's funny is that Kobe actually used to be Jason Tatum's mentor. And the more that I see it, I swear, the more that I see it, I just feel that mob of mentality in Jason Tatum. His attitude, his demeanor, the way that he plays the game, and also the way that he takes accountability. I remember a couple weeks ago, I was listening to him, and he was on J.J. Reddick's podcast, and they talked a lot about how he felt having such high expectations at that moment they went to the conference finals, and then what has happened in the previous years. And Jason Tatum, he has took a lot of accountability. He took accountability for why the team didn't do so good when they had Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. He's taken accountability for when, you know, they met the Heat during the bubble in that conference finals and how a lot of people thought Boston could make it to the finals and they didn't. Jason Tatum is proven to us that he loves this game and he has proven to us that he will do anything that he can in his power to help Boston win and to help the team win. And I think that people need to realize that. And it makes me even more mad when I think about the Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown duo breakup or just any talks. And I know there's even been talks about people thinking that Jason Tatum ate all that. We're not saying Jason Tatum is top five or maybe we can even say top 10. But I would say right now, though, Jason Tatum is at the top. Nobody is playing better right now than Jason Tatum. And nobody's doing a much better job right now for their team than Jason Tatum. Boston Boston was all the way at the bottom at the very beginning of the season. Look at where they at now. You can't tell me that you can't tell me that Jason Tatum is not a superstar because of what he is doing for the Celtics team. Not only that, Jason Tatum is only 24, 25. He already has two conference finals appearance under his belt. He is still under a great team that can make it to the playoffs and far into the postseason. And he is still breaking his numbers. Like the fact that he started at 13 points per game when he started, and now he's at 26 points right now, and he's only in his fourth or fifth year in the league. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about growth. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about the expectations that we expect from these young guys to be a superstar. Jason Tatum is on this way. I hope that people understood that. I hope that they've been understood that because this man is not going anywhere. I think Jason Tatum is going to be even more killer the next couple of years than what he's doing right now. Like Jason Tatum, he's just getting started. He's just getting started. It's going to be even better up from here. Jason Tatum is without question a superstar. And not only that, he is, forget about top 25. He's one of the 15 best players in the league right now. People don't understand how good this man is. When I said this man put up 54 points uh, on Kevin Durant on Sunday, that was amazing right there. I mean, his scoring ability is, is crazy. He is a three-level scorer. This man can get anywhere he wants to get to just to make sure he puts the ball in the basket, averaging 26 points per game, eight rebounds, four assists. And, yeah, I know that he's shooting 43% from the field and 33% from the three-point line, but that doesn't matter because he's making sure he's getting his buckets. That's all that matters. 
And also from the free throw line, he's shooting 84%. People got to understand that when they saw Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics struggle early, early on, they thought that, oh, well, they need to break up Brown and Tatum. No, there's growing pains that come. And people have to understand that you can learn from your growing pains. And they got better and better. Like I said, they are second in defensive efficiency. Let me say that again. They are second in defensive efficiency. They are one of the best in offense. Yumei Yudoka has done a very good job, who I got him as a front runner, or at least in the conversation for coach of the year. This is what I've been expecting from Jason Tatum for so long. When I said before this season that he was going to be the MVP, I really believe that because I thought that he is good enough to carry this team to a top three seat. And think about this too. They're a fifth seed right now. They still have time to be a top three seed. Think about that right now. If the season would have ended right now, they would go against Chicago. Now, I'm just saying right now, listen, get all props to DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nicola, Lonzo Ball, who needs to come back, and Caruso as well. Shout out to Chicago. But if it's the Boston Celtics versus the Chicago Bulls, I'm taking Boston over Chicago. And who, who has been struggling as of late? I'm sorry. Boston's on a roll. They are hot right now. All they're doing is winning 18 out of their last 23 games. They balling. And Jason Tatum, who is leading on alongside with Jalen Brown, you got to give him a shot. I think they can really shock the world by upsetting a few teams like Miami, like Milwaukee, like Philadelphia. They're they going to be some problems. When Kevin Durant said last summer in the Olympics that it was going to be some problems for the Boston Celtics. He probably means that it's going to be some problem in Boston because Jason Tatum doing what he got to do. That's why Tatum said to KD, F out of here. And you know, Yudoka said, that's okay. We know how to lock Patty up. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And like, and I just got to say this about Kevin because he has high praise when it comes to Jason Tatum. Last year, this man, Kevin Durant said, this is what he said about this man. Jason Tatum. This is what he said. I've been in the lead for 13, 14 years, and I started to tally mark the matchups, the series, the players that I've played against. I've had series against Kobe, LeBron, Tim Duncan, the Memphis Grizzlies. Jason Tatum is in that conversation. Wow. When, th this is what he said last year. When, when, when Jason Tatum put... <laughs> When Kevin Durant put Tatum in the same conversation with Kobe, LeBron, Duncan, and the Grizzlies, that's when you know that man is up there. And uh -huh. let's not forget <laughs> about Jason Tatum. When he was a rookie, this man scored the second most points in a single postseason. As a rookie, as a rookie, let me say it right now, as a rookie, second, more, second most points. 351 points in the postseason. Wow. He just needed two more points. He needed two more points to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who did it as a rookie. Oh, my God. He needed two more points. That man is a bona fide baller. When I say he's top 15, I mean that. I will put Jason Tatum over Devin Booker. I will put him over Donovan Mitchell. I will put him over Trey Young. And look, look John Morant is having a great season. But if I had to choose between John Morant or Jason Tatum, I'm taking Tatum by a landslide, easily, by a landslide. Shout out to Ja in Memphis, Tennessee. But this man in Boston, Jason Tatum, 
with that St. Louis mindset, vibes, you already know the vibes is. (laughs) St. Lou, baby. Jason Tatum got it. Tatum, Jason Tatum is a superstar. And Jabari, remember you talk about how Boston, especially early in the season, they was really struggling to close, especially in the fourth quarter. Look at what's happening in the fourth quarter. When Jason Tatum performs like he performs in the fourth quarter, you just see this magic just happening. And literally the past three games, that's all Jason Tatum has been doing. When the fourth quarter happens, he pushes everybody aside, and he's like, I got this. And that's what he does on the court. Absolutely. You're right. He he, he for sure got this because they know who the closer is, and that's Tatum. The Dallas Cowboys has reported that they could release Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence. Now, why is that reason? Because they want to save up money for that cap space. Because as of right now, for next season, for when it comes to the salary cap, <laughs> they're going to be over $37 million in luxury tax. Over the salary cap, they will be over $37 million. Amari Cooper next season will make $22 million. Demarcus Lawrence will make next season $27 million. So think about this too. Amari Cooper, 22. Demarcus Lawrence, 27. And it's it crazy why we even talk about Demarcus because, well, guess what? The Cowboys said, hey, look, Demarcus, we want you to take a pay cut. And Demarcus was like, no, I'm not doing that. So, so, he, so that means that he could possibly be released. And they also have been talking about that press guy, like, hey, we want to reconstruct your contract as well. We know not reach, not reconstruct, restructure your contract, you know what I'm saying? You know, so we can help things out. How would this impact that Prescott next season? To be real, as much as Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence do mean a lot to this team, offensively and defensively, if something were to happen to be where they be released, I don't think that this would really have an impact on that Prescott. Because this is not about them. This is about Dak. And let's just break down to why this is even happening. The main reason why, especially for Amari Cooper, that they want to release him is that, number one, again, that cap space. But also, there's another. There's somebody else's contract they have to worry about, Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. That contract is still killing them softly. So, you know, and of course, you want to keep Dak. That's why they're trying to restructure his contract. You want to keep Zeke, of course. So who else can you really get rid of? And also on top of that, who else is really in the wide receiver number one spot? CeeDee Lamb. I think he's taken that last season because last season he has proven to Jerry Jones and the Cowboys that he can be that elite wide receiver. He's still young, still got some mistakes that he needs to get over, but he clearly seems to be the number one option for the Cowboys and another reason as to why they want to get rid of Cooper. Now, back to Dak. Whatever situation happens, whether or not Cooper and Lauren stays or whether or not they go, like I said, it doesn't matter because it's going to be based on what that Prescott does next season. Because this Cowboys team, they can make whatever changes they can make. And also, they're not going to lose too much if they do get rid of Cooper and Lawrence because you still have Lamb, um, Zeke left. Your defense is still intact with Diggs and Parsons. Um, the Cowboys, they just franchise tagged um, their, um, their tight end, Dalton Schultz, because he had a great season. So weapons-wise, you're not going to lose that much. But the biggest question is not really the weapons you have. What can you do with those weapons? And that's still a wandering question 
on Dak Prescott because the Cowboys, you you know, you had a 12 and 5 record last season. But the way you lost the 49ers, that's still Cowboy fans still feel that. And coming next season, what is that going to do? Because like we, me and you talk about Jabari, Dak, even though we think he is a good quarterback and Dak has shown us that he has stuff that he can prove, we don't really think of him in the likes of a Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or even a Justin Herbert back with the Chargers. We don't think of Dak that way. So for Dak Prescott, you have to be able to come out here playing for America's team, you know, and the fact that they're trying to restructure your restructure your contract they want to keep you as well to make sure that you have what you need. So you need to be able to prove to them that you can do what you can. And I don't know if Dak Prescott has really proven that yet. And for the Cowboys, like I said, the Cowboys, they still have a lot to prove. I mean, just because you win the NFC East doesn't mean nothing at this point. You need to win wildcard games. You need to win divisional games. You need to make it to the actual NFC championship game. And then we can talk about what you can do against these other teams. Because we already said it previously in the show, especially when we talked about the Packers. They don't have nobody else to worry about. So for the Cowboys, they need to think about that. And I think the Cowboys are trying to, we're trying to re-instruct these contracts, trying to, if they release Cooper and Lawrence, and just trying to get this team back next season, the way that it can be defensively and offensively, just more so of what are you going to do this upcoming season. Demarcus Lawrence, look, let's be real. Last season, this past season, he played, what, seven games? And then he did play in the playoffs, but still, he only played seven games. He wasn't healthy last season. You still have a good defensive team. I mean, come on. you. I mean, listen, Dan Gwynn is still going to be the defensive coordinator, so they're not going anywhere. They'll be just fine. Offensively, I mean, the thing about Cooper is that he's hit and miss. That's the problem. Like, like, think about the thing about Cooper when he first came to the Dallas Cowboys. That was a match made in heaven. Like, that was great for you know your man's uh you know um uh that Prescott because look, he's like, yo, I can throw to somebody who is good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, look, Amari Cooper, he's not Hopkins or Odell Beckham Jr. or Cooper Cup. You know, he's not the or Tyreek Hill. Or, you know, could he, could he be like Mike Evans? I mean, I, I would take Evans over, over Cooper, if you ask me. But the thing about Cooper is that after that first year with the Dallas Cowboys, he's been hit and miss. Like, you don't, like you don't know if, he, if he's going to be great for one game and, or he's just going to disappear. That's, that's the problem that I have with Amari Cooper. It's not to say he's not a bad player. He's just inconsistent. And, and I think that it's going to be an issue because, look, even though your number one wide receiver can be CeeDee Lamb, because CeeDee Lamb could definitely play. Like, he could, he's definitely legit. But that Prescott, I just don't know how this team is going to be. Because the problem, look, it's not about the talent. They have the talent. Can they execute? That's the problem. Can they actually win playoff games? Can they get to the NFC Championship, which they have not done since 1995? That's the mm-hmm. problem. And this whole thing about that Prescott, I mean, look, he's going to make his money. Next season, he, next season, He's going to make 34 season after next. He's going to make 45. And then three years later, he's going to make $48 million. So he's going to be good when it comes to money. But this whole thing about that Prescott, he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine for sure. The impact will be cool. But at the same time, 
it is hard to lose a guy like Amari Cooper when you know he's there. Like, you know who could be a decoy? Like, you know he's there so you can use him. That's the thing about that. I don't want to hear about Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys want to restructure, restructure his contract. What the heck? What are you, what are you talking about? I'm making my money. What? what, what? But, but they, they, they have a problem with that Prescott being overpaid. Look, is that Prescott overpaid? Yes or no? Look, you already know the answer is. All I know is that Jerry Jones, you shouldn't be complaining because you're a billionaire and you know you could pay up all that money. So the goal is to what? Win the Super Bowl. Plain and simple. I don't want to hear about I need to restructure my deal, that Prescott's deal, just so we can save up some money. This is your fault why you in this position in the first place. So stop this nonsense. Zach Martin's too. His contract's gonna be um that's what I'm saying. Reconstructed. <laughs> right. You you out here gotta restructure these people's deals. You the one who who signed off on this. So stop it. And like I said, you are a billionaire. You you can't pay off these guys. Really? Most of these guys are don't even have guaranteed contracts. You make sure that some of these guys, most of these guys have guaranteed contracts. Huh? Come on, I don't want to, I, I definitely don't want to hear nothing about that Prescott. The thing about the Cowboys is that we need to start calling the Cowboys America's team. Because listen, there's dreams and then and then there's realities. And all they all the Cowboys have been is America's dream. They are not Super Bowl contenders. So we need to stop this nonsense. They are a playoff team. They're gonna win their division again, but that's not saying much. What are they going to do come playoff time? That's all. Shut up. Just like we talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, shut up. What you going to do come playoff time? Get to the NFC championship game, then we'll talk. All right, so let's get started with the quick takes of the Bounce Podcast. So let's get it. The Cleveland Cavaliers are six in the East. Jared Allen suffered a fractured left middle finger, which means he will be out infinitely. We don't know when he will come back, either it'll become playoff time or whatever. How does Allen's injury impact the Cavaliers? I think that this is a blow for the Cavs because with Allen, you have that guaranteed win protection and rebounding as well. And no disrespect to Kevin Love, but Kevin Love is still getting older. And Evan Mobley, he's doing great in his rookie campaign, but you can only ask him for so much. So unfortunately for Cleveland, you're going to have a little bit of issues in the bigs. Still got people. I think the guards is really more so of a concern because now that you have Karis LeVert and Rajon Rondo out and Darius Garland, I believe he's okay, but he could be day-to-day as well. I would be concerned about that. But I think for the bigs position, I think people should look out for Evan Mobley because since post-All-Star break, his numbers has improved. He's averaging nearly two blocks a game and almost 10 rebounds. So definitely you'll see him, especially in that five spot more, They'll put Kevin Love at the four. You'll still have Lori Markinen at the three. I think Cleveland could still make it to the playoffs. Now, can they make it that far? I don't even think so, even without this injury, because I think they're going to have big fish to fry when they go against Miami. Hopefully, a Brooklyn can go up in the standings. We have Milwaukee, Philadelphia still there. Lots Boston. There's just a lot of other teams for Cleveland that I think might be difficult come playoff time. The Cleveland Cavaliers are our first-round exit. The NFL free agency period will start on March 16th, and we will see what does happen. Obviously, if you're going to get traded, you better do it by March 16th because that's when free agency is going to hit from March 16th and beyond. 
Which NFL team should make moves during the offseason? Well, with the Broncos making moves out here, I mean, shoot, they do what they have to do. But when it comes to free agency, if I'm one team, I got to say the Ravens. Ravens, they got to make some moves here. They got to get an elite wide receiver to help out Lamar Jackson. Obviously, last season was a disappointment because, look, Lamar Jackson got hurt. What do you expect? The man's injured. There's it's so much that you can do. But, yeah, the Ravens, they definitely need to make some moves because the way how it's looking, the Bengals are not going anywhere. We're not worried about the Steelers or the, whatchamacallit, the, the Browns, of course. But the AFC is getting tougher. And if I'm the Ravens, I definitely have to make some moves because I need to still be in that picture of, hey, the Broncos in the conversation to come out the AFC. The Chiefs are in the conversation. The Bills are in the conversation. And we don't know. Maybe the Bengals as well. The Ravens need to say, hey, we need to be in that conversation as well. So the Ravens definitely have to make some moves. And not only that, I'm not going to lie, but I think the Buccaneers need to make some moves too. And you know what I'm saying, man. They need to go up to somebody. They did franchise franchise tag Chris Godwin, so that's at least good. You know, we'll see what happens there. But they need to make some more moves because, Lord have mercy, they need some help since Tom Brady retired. The NFL suspends Falcons wide receiver Calvin Wrigley for the entire 2022 NFL season for betting games. And the total amount that he was betting on games was $1,500. Guess what? Next season, he will miss millions of dollars. He will miss millions of dollars. He is done. Should the league, should the NFL let players gamble? Look, this was the same guy who was talking about that he was having mental health issues last season. And obviously the Falcons didn't do anything because they didn't, they didn't even make it to the playoffs. But I just want to say this. The fact that you gamble thousands of dollars, but then you want to miss millions of dollars for the next year. That don't even make any sense. What the? Let me just say this. To answer this question, no, the NFL should not allow players to gamble because it becomes a slippery, slippery slope. I mean, look, we got like Calvin right here was betting, betting games on his own team, and it wasn't just on his own. It, it, it wasn't just on the Falcons because he, because one of them was that he predicted them to win. So that's at least a good thing. You predicted, you predicted they were going to win, not to lose. So, oh, oh Lord have mercy. But anyway. The thing I have an issue is that NFL players has inside information and they are friends with a lot of players in the league. So if they find out some, some inside information, they might be thinking, oh, shoot, I'm about to bet on such and such because I know I can make money. And because of that, it's going to hurt the game because of that. So I don't think players should be involved when it comes to gambling. I understand that the NFL and other sports leagues are involved with gambling, especially, you know, Las Vegas, you know, Vegas loves gambling. You already know how they are with the Vegas odds. And we got Bleach Report who has, you know, Bleach Report betting, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm sorry. I don't think that players should be gambling. I don't even think they should be gambling other sports because listen, because these, listen, athletes are friends with other athletes and they can get inside information. So it's just a slippery slope. I don't think players should be gambling, period. So the league, they did the right thing. Listen, the NFL ain't, ain't no ain't no angel around here. They still not innocent when it comes to anything else. But the NFL should not allow players to gamble. Kevin Durant becomes the 23rd player to reach 25,000 points against the Boston Celtics in a loss. L'Oreal, this is your guy, Kevin Durant. What are your thoughts about that? 
Easy money. Easy money. But real talk, I'm happy that Kevin Durant reached this milestone. It just proves to us even more that he is one of the most prolific scorers we have seen in this league. And I'm just happy to see KD coming back and just dropping 30 and just going back to hooping. It's definitely glad to see KD back. Speaking of Kevin Durant, let's go ahead and talk about the Brooklyn Nets. And boy, whew, it seems like every single time we talk about the Nets, it's either it could be good, but it could damn sure be bad. The Brooklyn Nets are 3-17 and 17 in their last 20 games. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. They lost to the Boston Celtics on last Sunday. We already spoke about this. They are 32-33. and 33. They haven't been below 500 since October. They are ninth in the East. And you better thank God that the Atlanta Hawks lost last night. If it wasn't for the Pistons beating the Hawks last night, the Brooklyn Nets would have been 10th in the East. That's how bad it's going. That, that's how bad it's been. We got to bring up this question, and I never thought we were going to ask this question. I, I hope this is simple. Will the Nets make it to the playoffs? The Nets are going to make it to the playoffs. I would say that they better hurry up because it is March. Time is ticking. We are weeks away from the playoffs, and that time is not going to come by as slow as they want it to be. But I think Brooklyn's going to make it to the playoffs. Like, let's just start here first. Kevin Durant just got back from injury a couple days ago, and he's already dropping 30. (laughs) So that right there tells you that thankfully from his injury, he's okay. His legs are still moving well. I think that further down the line, when Brooklyn have more games, we'll see Kevin Durant as more, you know, more of a facilitator because right now he's just trying to get fresh. He's just trying to hoop, get himself together. He looks good. I think he's fine. Kyrie Irving, I think Kyrie Irving, He can do what he can on the road. I mean, we can't really say too much about him because that mandate has passed and we have not heard of anything lately about Kyrie Irving allowing to play in Barclays. But what he can do on the road can still be effective because what we did see at Boston, of course, we know what was going to happen with him coming to Boston. He still was contributing. He was still trying to hit up shots and all of that. I think the big, there's two big concerns for Brooklyn about them making to the playoffs. Defense is still an issue. You still got, you know, you got Nick Claxton back. You have Andre Drummond. But for some reason, Brooklyn still can't get together offensively. And I think the biggest issue now is making sure you stay alert offensively. Because Boston, I'm sorry, Boston outplayed Brooklyn defensively in that last game. Boston knew what to do defensively. And on top of that, they knew what to do in transition. Brooklyn, especially in that second half, they was looking really sloppy. They wasn't doing what they were supposed to do defensively. They wasn't being in the right spots they needed to. And that's how you saw Jason Tatum just go crazy and the rest of the team make up shots because Brooklyn just didn't initiate that defense. But also another thing, too, is when is Ben Simmons going to play? I understand that he has back issues, and I understand about his mental health and how he and the team is trying to make sure that he can come back you know, for a decent time. But, and this is getting ridiculous at this point because when Ben Simmons first came on this team, there were reports about he was going to come back within a matter of a few weeks. And then we're hearing other reports about he's going to come back even much longer. We already know he's not going to be back for the March 10th game against Philly. But at this point, I need Ben Simmons to play because people don't realize that it's been literally an entire season that Ben Simmons has not played basketball. It will be different if Ben Simmons played in Philly 
and maybe he just didn't want to play no more, and then he went to Brooklyn. But this man has not played a single game yet this season. I need Ben Simmons to play. Because if Ben Simmons don't play, like, I don't care about the March 10th day. It is what it is. You know, he'll be on the bench of Philly. Philly is going to be crazy. We already know this. But if Ben Simmons doesn't play in the playoffs, we're going to have a serious issue. A serious issue. Because come on, dog. You got to play. I just want you to play. Like, I don't even care really at first about your integrity or your hustle or your emotions. You know what I'm saying? I just want you to play. That's it. I just want you to play. But Brooklyn, I think they're going to the playoffs. I think they'll be just fine. You have KD back, so you already saw that issue. But you need to fix up your defense. And Ben Simmons, I need you to be in the jersey. Please. You took the words out of my mouth when it comes to Ben Simmons. I mean, Lord, let, let me just say this right now about the Brooklyn Nets. You know, even though the Nets are struggling, think about this. A few weeks ago, they were still the favorites to win the championship. They were still the favorites a few weeks ago. Now this week, they are third in Vegas odds to win the NBA championship. Third. Third. I'm, I'm thinking myself, third? Are you After all these struggles, third? <laughs> oh, boy, I'm sure Vegas, listen, obviously they're looking at the talent. They're focused on making that money, too. So I, I understand why, why Vegas has the Brooklyn Nets in third. In offense, they're 16th. In, in defense, defensive efficiency, they're 21st. When, when KD was there, they were still like a top 10 defensive team. They were still good. But then when KD left, well, when he went down, things changed. And so I understand that because of KD being out, everything has been falling apart. Like everything all falls down for some reason. Like when KD's not there, it's just, it's just, it's just a, a disaster. With K, listen, now that KD's back, it, yeah, like they, they need everything to be ramped up because they need to start winning, and they need to start winning now. I mean, like, get clock going right here. They're the ninth seed right now, so let's get going. They have 17 games left. Think about this. They have 17 games left. And I don't, listen, And let me just say it about Ben Simmons. Let me keep this clear. Ben Simmons, the fact that I heard a report that Ben Simmons, he, you know, he's he not going to play, but he's going to come to Philadelphia and be with his team on the bench. I'm like, huh? For, for what you listen we all know that that somebody in philadelphia those fans are gonna throw a trash can a trash can at you because you're gonna be there on the floor not, not on the court but on the bench so we all know that right there but anyway the fact that i heard a report also that after the the march 10th game against philadelphia he's gonna ramp it up and make his return next week i'm like first when he was in philadelphia he was going through mental health issues Listen, we take mental health seriously, like I said beforehand, but why did you say that it wasn't about a player, organization, coach, or the fans? It was just something personal. I'm curious about that. Like, what, what, like, so it wasn't about mental health. What's going on? And then we heard about the back issues, the back issues. I, I don't know what the hell is going on. If the Nets are able to go to the playoffs, let's say they face the 76ers in the first round. Is this man going to play or is he not going to play because he has, oh, I got back issues. I'm like, come on, bro. You want it out of Philadelphia. According to your man, your agent, Rich Paul, or other reports, you want it out. So now you're out. You're in Brooklyn. Get in suit. Do what you got to do and play because the Nets need you. They need you for sure. And also with Kyrie Irving, the way how the Nets looking like, <laughs> They they they're not gonna win the championship the way how they playing. 
Kyrie Irving can only play six games on the road because of obviously the vaccine mandate. Now, of course, wow. he could come, he could come to the building, he could come to Barclays Center, he could come to Brooklyn to the Barclays Center and be a spectator. He could be on the bench, but he just can't play. That is ridiculous. But other than that, let me just say this. I don't want to hear about Kyrie Irving being frustrated that he can't play when you knew what the consequences were. Oh, yeah. I don't want to. No, you, you didn't want to take the, you You're listen, enough for this. Look, look, you know how you can stop being frustrated, get vaccinated. That's what you can do. So zip, I don't want to hear about you being frustrated and then say, yeah, I've been talking to Eric Adams all day. Yeah. It <laughs> seemed like you haven't been talking to him a lot because eventually uh, you either going to play or not with the vaccine or not. Listen, you, you, if you're not going to get vaccinated, okay, cool. But don't complain because you can't play home games. I understand that we have to hold players accountable. I understand that. And let me say this right now, regardless of the issues that's going on, whether it's the coach Steve Nash or Kyrie Irving can't play home games or when the hell Ben Simmons is coming back or the fact that James Harden forced his way out of Brooklyn just to go to Philadelphia and be with his buddy, Daryl Morey, whatever the heck his name is. I'm, I'm, I'm missing now. I'm slippery slop right now. Remember last year when the Warriors didn't make it to the playoffs? Yeah. Who was the one person that we blame? Steph Curry. Yes. Steph Curry is one of the five best players in the world, right? Mm-hmm. One of the five best players. And he got that heat when he couldn't get, get to the play, at least get to the playoffs. Kevin Durant, you got 17 games left. People consider you the best player in the world, or at least one of the best. Kevin Durant, can you at least get the Brooklyn Nets to the playoffs? I say yes. It's a yes. you better. Yeah. Because think about this too. With all these issues that's going on, if the Nets don't make it to the playoffs, I don't want to hear this whole thing that Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. No. You got to at least make it to the playoffs. What, listen, you can't be the best player in the world. You can't get your team to the playoffs. When Steph Curry didn't get his team to the playoffs, we gave him that heat. Like, it, like look, you didn't have Clay Thompson, so what? You at least got to get them to the playoffs. Not the play-in, playoffs. In 2019, when LeBron James didn't lead the Lakers to the playoffs, oh, he got that heat. He got that heat. Kevin Durant, you can at least as one of the best players in the world, get this team to the playoffs. I don't think KD is something we got to worry about, and I'm going to still stand on that. And I'm not but saying- But also, if you don't get your team to the playoffs, we do have to look at you. Yes, that's true. That's, that's true. That, that is true. But uh, whew, these next 17 games, this is what they got to do. They got to look at the next eight games and say, okay, let's see if we can get out the play-in. And are they still in the play-in? Then, then in the final nine games, hopefully Ben Simmons will be back. And they can say, I know we're in the play-in, but let's embrace it and let's go after the seventh seed. Let's go at the seventh seed. Because at least we can, listen, we can all hope that Eric Adams or whoever in New York City can make sure that they can lift the private sector vaccine mandate. But we can't, we, we just can't assume anymore. We just got to go where we know. And that is... Kyrie Irving is not going to play home games. Until further notice, Kyrie Irving is not going to be with the Brooklyn Nets at home. You, you can control so much, but that is something that you just have to accept. So right now, get this team to a great position where you, you got to make sure you're at least a seven to eight seed because Lord knows you don't want to be, you don't want to be a nine for 10 seed where your season, season is already on the line. Be the seventh seed 
at worst, an eighth seed and give your team a chance. Because Lord knows that if they got to face Toronto, in Toronto, that means Kyrie Irving ain't going to play. And, and we know that um, huh, Canada ain't giving no favors to American players. Looking at the time, let's talk about Russell Westbrook next week. All right, folks, that's it for the Bounce Podcast, episode 63. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and on YouTube, folks. I want you to like, comment, subscribe, download us, folks. I want you to like, share this to your family members, to your friends, associates. You already know what the deal is, folks. We here every day. L'Oreal. We about to be out. And, uh, you know, next week we got a, something special. We're going to talk about our two-year anniversary of this pandemic in the sports world, you know, United States and whatnot, you know, co- coronavirus. It's real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> oh, man. It's uh. going. It's, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, next week is going to be special. And we're going to be balling like it's March Madness, you know what I'm saying? You know, college basketball is here. So, We'll see what happens. Thank you for listening to the Bounce Podcast, episode 63. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, Oriel. Peace!